Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Thanks for listening this Thursday, May 27, 2021. Topics on today's episode include the latest Myrtle LeCat update, part two of my dad's interview with Dean Harrington, this time on bringing in the next generation of the mortgage workforce, and how a couple big economic releases this morning have impacted the bond market. I'd like to thank today's podcast sponsor, Shamrock Home Loans recently named by the National Mortgage News the number five best mortgage company to work for. Shamrock is expanding across the United States with the commitment to build the next generation of mortgage lenders. Shamrock's core purpose is driven by the belief that everyone deserves to live in a home they love. The aggressive underwriting and customer support culture brings about one of the highest retention rates among loan officers in the U.S. With access to the best technology tools and operational support, loan officers and branch managers can flexibly serve realtors, builders, and consumers. To experience how truly unique Shamrock is, visit theshamrockhuddle.com to learn more. My dad was telling his cat Myrtle about the labor shortage in the United States, but she didn't seem fascinated, to say the least. In fact, she gave him a look like, I'm an apex predator. Open the door. Now. Economists are quick to point out that while there is no shortage of jobs in our economy, there is a shortage of people who want to return to work because many of them are making more on unemployment. But it is doubtful they are happier. Foster and Hicks wrote a book titled How We Choose to Be Happy, The Nine Choices of Extremely Happy People. Worth a gander, and collecting unemployment versus making a contribution isn't on the list. Being healthy is on the list, but dang it, I didn't have a chance to go to the gym yesterday. That makes five years in a row. (laughs) Apparently others do want to exercise, And the National Association of Home Builders reports that nearly half the buyers of new homes want an exercise room. Of course, wanting a gourmet kitchen doesn't mean you're going to cook. Today on the podcast, I wanted to share with you part two of my dad's interview with Dean Harrington. Dean has spent over four decades in the consumer finance industry, working on everything from account collections to loan approvals, and a little bit of everything in between. Under his leadership, Shamrock has grown from a small broker shop focused on direct marketing, to a regional lender committed to the home purchase market through a strong network of referrals. So Dean, thank you for, uh, for joining me on the podcast today. I wanted to ask you a few questions, given that Shamrock has been expanding, 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 had a good uh, 2020, 2021 is off to a good start. The lending industry in general has struggled to bring people into it who are, who are less than 35 or 40 years old. Or put another way, many of the people in the industry have been around for decades, mm-hmm. which on the one hand is very good. It's good to have experienced people at the helm. It's good to have some kind of historical perspective and some kind of knowledge of, of what has taken place over the years. On the other hand, though, it, it tends to stifle new people coming into it or uh, the next generation of, of employees or the next gen leaders that I'm sure Shamrock is looking for. How do you, uh, how do you address that? How do you get around that? How do you uh, enforce a culture of promoting or encouraging people under the age of 40 to come to work at Shamrock? One of the things that we see everywhere you turn, right, is people talking about 
uh, anti-aging, longevity, live forever. It used to be good enough just to be in shape, but now I got to measure myself by how long I can live. And it's a passion. What I like to tell people is if you want to live forever, just make sure you made enough of an impression on somebody 20 or 30 years younger than you. And when you're gone, they'll still be talking about you. And how do I know that? Because I still talk about the guys, there's three of them, that said something to me at the right time, invested in me in the right time, had the right words, the right uh, encouragement, and the right teaching at some times where it propelled me into the career that I have. And none of those guys have been with us for at least the last 20 years. They were older guys in my career. So it's always been in my DNA to try to to, uh, build the next generation. Uh, You know, once I get old enough, that is to look, look back at the next generation. I've been at too many conferences. I've been around too long in this industry to know that there are too many guys that look like me. There are way too many guys my age. And that's just not the way that we need to leave it. Somebody before me spoken to me when I was 22, 24, 30, 32. They'd spoken to me. So my vision for Shamrock's future has always built a, been around the next generation. But the problem came during the housing crisis it completely suspended our ability to attract the next generation. I'm sure this resonates with everybody in your audience right now, that if you were trying to hire somebody who's 25 or 28 during the housing crisis, if their parents were part of that at all, the industry was toxic. You could not bring people from outside the industry in, nor did you need them because we, we didn't have the volume. But I think starting in 2011 or 12, we started to get our reputation back as a, as a viable industry and an industry for the future. and we went out and intentionally sought people. We did a terrible job at it for the first three years, a terrible job. Um, we went out and tried to find kids right out of college that had no work experience, and we ran into a difficulty. I don't know how you experienced There's really kind of two uh, pieces of the millennial age, the generation. There's the early millennials who are the trophy for every participation, all the things we group on. The, the, the kids that we make the millennial four-letter word with, right? But then there's the second part of that. And they're mad at that first part. They don't like that first part. You made me look bad. We find those guys. And they, they come into a culture and they just thrive in it. So to answer your question as quickly as I can, having just been long with it, um, you got to be intentional about bringing them in. You have to hire correctly. You have to put them in places where there are mentors there. And then our company, we're continuing to look for guys my age so that they can help me build the next generation. Because don't you want to be spoken about when you're dead? You don't want to say, hey, I, this person changed my life. With what you've done in our industry, there will be people long after you're gone that will talk about the impact that you had on them. That's longevity. That's anti-aging. That's powerful. That, that gets me up at 60 and says, I want to go work with a bunch of 32-year-olds. Because you know what? When I'm gone at age 90 or whatever, they're going to be 55 and talking about me. And that's pretty cool. That is, that is a great answer. One of the issues, Dean, that has come up in uh, certainly in the last four, 14 months because of the pandemic and work from home and who is going to come back to the office and who isn't going to come back to the office. But during the time that employees have worked from home, one of the big challenges that management has is communicating with those employees, not only in terms of culture and enforcing the culture of Shamrock, but just in communicating with regard to keeping morale up, communicating with regard to changes in policies and procedures that a lender like Shamrock might be instituting. How have you 
done, if you could grade yourself, how have you done and your management team done in terms of communication? And are there any tricks that you're doing now or any methods that you would recommend others do that have helped you? Yeah. Um, I don't know how well I do, but I know my team does a phenomenal job. Rod Corey, our president, Rick Rock, our national sales guy, all the way down to Trish uh, Harrington, our CFO, have done a phenomenal job. If we go back to last March with the market dislocation and just all the hemorrhaging that happened in the bond market during that awful 8, 10, 12-day period, um, what we discovered is the best way to communicate with people not in the building is to teach them. So we would routinely hold Zoom meetings, closed Facebook group, which we have, which is another suggestion I would throw out to people. We have a closed Facebook group for all our staff. And we would do daily huddles, which we still do and have done, teaching them what's going on in the market right now. Um, I think to, to manage people, you have to teach people. You can't manage people just on a, with a bullhorn and a let's, let's go run laps. It has to be teaching people. So we, we do our morning huddle which is the entire company. We do it through a closed Facebook page. Uh, I make it public uh, three uh, once a week. I do a public version to share with everybody. But you've got to be teaching them. You've got to be uh, schooled in remote teaching, understanding that people cannot stay on a remote call for two or three hours looking at a Zoom screen. It reduces their attention substantially. So we try to keep ours down to about 20 minutes in and out on one topic get everyone together. We require that the screen be open. They can't close close their camera off because we know what that is. That's playing on your cell phone. We're not paying attention. We went to testing, but not the kind of testing you and I would have in school, but just random questions of making sure everybody's keeping up so that no one's behind. I think last March was a great, it was a horrible eight or nine days, but boy, it really gave us a chance to show leadership and to teach and keep people in line and in step with what was going on. One of the Federal Reserve's goals is to promote economic stability in the United States. Now, some critics are targeting the continued asset purchases carried out by the Fed's New York desk, saying that artificially low rates, caused in part by the Fed buying securities, is impacting home prices, keeping monthly mortgage payments low, but unnaturally driving up prices. The housing market has steadily been appreciating, as the Fed has purchased over $2 trillion in agency mortgage-backed securities since last, last March 2020. Stay tuned, as scaling back the purchases will impact the demand side of the supply-demand function, and in turn impact U.S. rates. While we're talking bonds, and therefore rates, a bit of intraday volatility in the bond market yesterday led to little movement from the opening levels by the close, as a strong $61 billion five-year note auction was unable to invite follow-through buying. The utilization of the Fed's reverse repurchase facility increased to $450 billion yesterday, from $433 billion on Tuesday. The MBS basis ended wider, which is not good for mortgage rates, amid the joint lowest Fed support on the current schedule. That also saw another low hit rate at the UMBS 30 purchase operation. Today includes the last operations on the current schedule, which target up to $6.3 billion with one operation in each class. Today's busy calendar is already underway with a few important releases. April durable goods orders came in at negative 1.3%, weaker than expected, although excluding transportation, it was up 1%. The second look at Q1 GDP was 6.4%, down a shade from the original 6.5% reading. We've also had weekly jobless claims down to 406,000 from 444,000 last week, a post-pandemic low. Later this morning brings April pending home sales, the Freddie Mac primary mortgage market survey for the week ending May 27th, 
and Kansas City Fed Manufacturing for May. The Treasury will also auction $62 billion of seven-year notes, and the New York Fed will release a new MBS purchase schedule covering the May 28th to June 11th period in the afternoon. We begin the day with agency MBS prices down worse a solid eighth, and the 10-year yielding 1.61% after closing yesterday at 1.57%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. My boss always laughed at my jokes at work, but since the pandemic, she never laughs at them in Zoom chats. I asked her why she doesn't laugh at them anymore. She replied, because your jokes aren't remotely funny. (laughs) If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.